0: Late great pastor, Adrian Rogers, uh, once said, a lot of kneeling will keep you in good standing. A lot of kneeling will keep you in good standing. And prayer helps us stand firm in our faith in Jesus. Prayer helps us grow in our faith in Jesus. Prayer helps us live out our faith in Jesus. Prayer helps us to tell others about our faith in Jesus. Prayer helps us to see others as God sees them. Prayer helps us to love others as God loves them. Prayer helps us to see life as God sees our lives. Prayer blesses us and those around us. To put it simply, prayer works. Say that with me. Prayer works. We know this from the truth of God's word, and we know this from the testimony of our own lives. Solomon told us in Proverbs 15 and verse 8, The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. We know we are upright before the Lord by faith in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we know God, Almighty God, Creator God, delights in hearing and answering our prayers because he loves us And he wants to bless us and provide for us as he continues his good work in us of making us more and more like Jesus day by day. And so we're going to continue in our series this morning uh, on prayer, uh, titled Lifeline, Getting Help from God Through Prayer. We are looking at and learning from examples of people in God's Word who devoted themselves to prayer, who were disciplined to pray. We started our series a couple of weeks back by looking at the example of Jesus. Jesus is our greatest example to follow in every way. As we looked at Jesus, we saw that Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. If you want to jot that passage down, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus literally taught us to pray. He said, Therefore, you should pray like this, giving us a guide as we go to the Lord in prayer. He said, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus taught us To be humble before God as we ask for help from God with the hope that we have in God that he will answer us. Last Sunday, the Apostle Paul taught us about prayer. And he taught us basically, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't worry about anything, but in everything, Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let your request be made known to God. And a peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul encouraged us. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. The more we pray, the less we stress. The more we pray, the more we'll fill with God's peace, which then helps us to overcome worry, anxiety, fear, and stress that our enemy is constantly trying to use to lure us away from God and from the truth of God's word and from our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at another example uh, from the word of God who is going to share with us some encouragement in regard. If you have your Bibles, uh, open them to the New Testament book of James. James chapter 1. James shared some wonderful words of encouragement and instruction with us regarding prayer in chapter 1. Specifically, uh, this chapter 1, this passage is the one we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, James shared some powerful words with us, some wonderful words, some very relevant words for us this morning so that we can apply in our lives today and this week. James chapter 1, in verse 1, James said, he wrote these words, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. So let's make sure we are clear about who this is that we're getting ready to listen to. Uh, This morning in regards to uh, the Holy Spirit teaching us about prayer through his words. James, the author of this book, uh, was the half-brother of Jesus. James uh, came to faith in Jesus after the resurrection of Jesus. And so we know that Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus specifically appeared to James after his resurrection. Paul uh, later on called James one of the pillars of the first church in Jerusalem. In the book of Galatians, Paul called James and Peter and John the pillars Of the first church in Jerusalem. We know that James grew in his faith in Christ Jesus and went on to become the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. He actually became the pastor, the key leader in the first church in Jerusalem. And then we also know that James ultimately was executed for his faith in Christ Jesus. James was known uh, by the nickname James the Just. He was known to be a very holy, godly man focused in on the Lord and living his life for Christ Jesus. James then said and identified himself as a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That word slave there is doulos. It means bondservant or servant. Uh, It means and describes a person who has committed themselves to their master to do the will of their master. So James was a doulos. He was a doulos of God, a slave of God, a servant of God. Which means James committed himself to God, his master, in his day-to-day life so that James could do God's will in God's strength for God's glory. James was all about focusing in on doing exactly what God wanted him to do, the way he wanted him to do it, how and when he wanted him to do it. And then he says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. The 12 tribes here in verse 1 is a reference uh, to the Old Testament, it's an Old Testament reference to the 12 tribes of Israel who were dispersed into the Mediterranean world by the foreign nations of Assyria and Babylon because the Jews, back in Old Testament times, the Jews were rebelling against God. They were living in sin against God and disobedience to God. And so God disciplined them by using Assyria and Babylon to take the Jews captive to their nations and thus marked the beginning of the dispersion of the Jews into the Mediterranean world outside of the area of Palestine. We also know that James here specifically wrote his book here in the New Testament to the Jewish Christ followers who have been dispersed into the Mediterranean world in James' time frame due in large part to the persecution that had come against the first church in Jerusalem, the Christ followers, the Jewish Christ followers, located in the first church in Jerusalem, there was a lot of persecution that came against them, and so they were literally forced to disperse from Jerusalem, and they ultimately began spreading out into the Mediterranean world. We read about this dispersion uh, in the book of Acts, written by Luke. And so we see there is very much a, a flavor, a Jewish flavor, an Old Testament flavor uh, to this book of James as he is writing these words uh, to the Jewish Christ followers and to us today. This word was written by James to the Jewish Christ followers living there in Jerusalem and also those who had spread out in the dispersion, but also he's writing these words to us today and the purpose, the theme, the focus of his work here in this book is to live our lives for Jesus Christ. It's to of our lives and live out our faith in Christ Jesus. Literally, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. This was James' focus. As you read through the book of James, and I'm sure many of you have, you'll see throughout the book of James that he was constantly encouraging us, and we're going to see it right here at the beginning, uh, in the first part of this passage, in the first part of chapter one that we're going to focus on this morning. He's constantly encouraging folks to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Hearing the word and then not doing the word is just simply deceiving ourselves. Hearing the word is important, it's necessary, it's a must, but it's the first step. The second step is then doing the word being doers of the word applying God's truth putting it into practice in our lives And so this is the background a little bit about james here in verse one Now we move to verses two and following and we begin to see what james has to say to us this morning He says in verse two consider it a great joy. My brothers Whenever you experience various trials Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance but endurance must complete must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. James does not waste any time. He gets right to the point when it comes to living for Jesus. When it comes to being doers of the word and not hearers only, he gets right to the point. Does not waste any time. Hits it head on. Verse 2, we're moving. We're picking up immediately, and we're moving with James, beginning in verse 2. The Christian life he is sharing with us is not an escape from trials in life. The Christian life is actually an entrance into trials in life. He says here that we are to consider a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. Trials means to test or to try. It means to prove in a good sense or a bad sense. A good sense or a bad sense? Trials prove. Trials in our lives reveal. They prove whether we are listening to and walking in obedience to the truth of God's word or whether we are listening to the lies of our enemy Satan. Trials in life, when we enter trials in life, when God takes us into those times of testing, what happens is those times of testing reveal, they prove what's on the inside of us because it comes outside of us. And they prove whether we are listening to God or whether we're listening to the lies of the enemy. Those trials prove and reveal whether we are trusting in God or whether we are trusting in ourselves. And so we see how important these, these points are, these truths are in regards to these trials. And so we see real clearly uh, that James is going to give us some information here about these trials. Trials reveal what's inside of us. Trials reveal our character and show everyone what's going on. Uh, in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to identify four truths about trials real quick. It's right here in this passage. We need to identify uh, four truths about trials for us that James shares with us right here in this passage so that we can then make the connection with prayer. James and his teaching here in this passage is going to make the connection between trials and prayer. And so in order for us to be able to make that connection, understanding these points about trials will help us then make the connection with James about prayer that he is making to us here in this passage. Let's look at these four truths real quick. We won't stay long on any of them. Uh, we could spend a sermon in and of uh, the entirety of a sermon on each one, but we won't do that this morning. Let's just hit these, uh, and we'll then connect in with James teaching on prayer. The first point or the first truth about trials is we will experience trials. He said, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever, whenever, highlight whenever we will experience trials james said when we experience trials not if we experience trials it's when and so we know and understand as christ followers we're going to face trials the believers of the church here in jerusalem the jewish christ followers that he was writing to understood this to be the case james understood this to be the case due to the persecution that they were facing for their faith and trust in christ jesus we also know that a reality of the Christian life that we all know, a reality of the Christian life is that we will face trials and tests of faith. This is not something that we can escape. Peter agreed with James. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter actually said, Dear friends, when the fiery ordeal arises among you to test you, don't be surprised by it. Don't be surprised, as if something unusual were happening to you. He said, don't be surprised by that. He says, there's going to be those times in our lives, these fiery ordeals, these trials, they will come our way. They will rise up, and and we will deal with these trials and tests of faith. So we understand this. We know the second truth is trials will come at unexpected times. Trials will come at unexpected times. He said, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you face, uh, whenever you experience various trials. He says, whenever you experience, experience is the highlight point here with this truth. Whenever you experience, experience means to fall into unexpectedly. It means to encounter adversity suddenly. Suddenly to fall into unexpectedly, to encounter adversity suddenly. So we know and understand a job loss, a job change, a health scare, an illness, a broken relationship, unfair criticism, family problems, financial problems can come into our lives suddenly. I mean, we all know this, we all understand this. We can be walking with the Lord, everything can be moving forward in a very good manner, in a very good way, and then the next minute, here comes a trial, here comes a test. My guess would be, with this many here this morning, most of us experience that this week. Most of us, if not all of us, are right in the middle of one of those testing times, one of those trying times here this morning. It's part of the reason why God has you here this morning. And so, what James is wanting us to understand is this. He's warning us here in this passage, and he's warning us that we may not get a warning right before a trial hits our lives. So, this is the warning to be ready and to be alert spiritually for when those trials come. This is the warning to be ready, to be on the lookout, to to be spiritually focused on the Lord. Because God may not give us the warning right before the trial's going to happen so that we're ready and we're aware, but he's giving us a warning here in his word and all throughout his word, but specifically right here, that we need to remain in a state of spiritual readiness. We need to remain in a state of spiritual alertness because those trials are going to come in our lives. At times, there'll be very unexpected times when these trials come and hit suddenly, uh, and we fall into them unexpectedly. Third truth about trials is trials will come in all sizes. He says, they're considered a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. So now we're focusing on various trials. Various trials. He said, James says that we're going to experience various trials. Various means trials of many different kinds. Many different types of trials. Trials will come in all shapes and sizes and trials will last for all different lengths of time. Trials will come at different shapes and sizes and they'll last for different lengths of time. Trials can range, in these testing times, these trials, they can range from inconveniences and interruptions in our lives all the way to serious circumstances with lifelong consequences at play. They can range Throughout that spectrum. And so we understand then the fourth truth is real simple. We need to think about trials God's way. We need to think about trials God's way. Since we know we're going to experience them, they're going to come unexpectedly. They're going to come in all sizes. We need to think about our trials in God's way. James says, consider it a great joy. Consider it a great joy. Now that may seem weird to you that we're to consider it a great joy? When we're in times of trial and testing, that's exactly what he says. Consider it a great joy whenever we go into these times of trial and testing of our faith. We can consider it a great joy. We can think joyfully about our trials because we know God has a purpose for our trials. And we know God is with us and in us through our trials to accomplish his purpose for our trials. So we understand and realize we can think joyfully, we can consider it a great joy when we are going through trials, we're in the midst of trials or times of testing of our faith because we know God uses trials and tests of our faith to grow and strengthen us in our faith in Jesus. God uses trials to increase our dependence on Jesus. God uses trials to increase our endurance for Jesus. God uses trials to increase our likeness to Jesus. Trials are simply the signal on the dashboard of our lives trials are God's signal to us that he is at work in us maturing us in our faith in Christ Jesus making us more effective witnesses for Christ Jesus therefore we can rejoice in our trials because we understand that there's a purpose to them they're just not random occurrences or random events God's just not bored and messing with us there's actually a purpose James understood this he knew this we see all throughout the word these heroes of our faith these men and women have gone before us they understood at different points in their lives in their walk with the lord that, that the trials were there It's a part of god's purpose in their life of making them stronger in their faith in jesus making them more like jesus and so James wants us to understand these points because when it comes to living the Christian life, as he was speaking to these folks, at times, and this is actually even still true for us at times, when we're living for Christ, when we hit those times of difficulty, when we hit those times of opposition or resistance, when we hit those times of testing, when, when our faith is being tried, when things aren't working out, when things are happening that we don't like that are happening, when, when things are being said about us that aren't true, when others are putting us down or criticizing us, when others aren't walking in accordance to the word of God. When we deal with these times, it's easy for us to get upset. It's easy for us to say, well, I didn't think, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I thought the Christian life was supposed to be about. Man, it seems like ever since I came to faith in Christ, nothing's happening good. Everything's breaking around the house. Everything's happening I've been sick. All these things are happening. And it's easy. And it was for these believers, especially when you're looking at the persecution for them. to be like, okay, I'm out. I don't want this Jesus stuff anymore. My goodness. If following Jesus means all this, then then I didn't sign up for that. And James is wanting us to understand at the very beginning. We need to understand when we enter the Christian life, we are victorious in our faith in Christ Jesus. We are part of God's family. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the word of God before us. We have an army of brothers and sisters in Christ around us. We are victorious. We can walk in the power of God day by day at work in us. But we also need to understand and recognize that we also have an enemy at that very moment who puts a target on us and who is relentless in his attacks against us. He is absolutely, positively relentless in his attacks His spiritual attacks targeted our minds to try to pull us away from God, to try to get us to doubt God, to try to get us to get upset with God, to try to get us to turn away from God, to try to get us to believe that something this world has to offer is better than what God has for us. He's constantly, constantly attacking our minds, trying to get us to live selfishly, to live sinfully, to pull away. And so James was reminding these believers and us this morning, hey, listen. We don't need to be surprised when the fiery ordeal arises among us, as Peter said. We don't need to be surprised. Matter of fact, when those times come, we can actually respond joyfully because all that means is Almighty God is doing some more chipping away. There's something in me that doesn't quite yet look like Jesus that he's wanting to chip away. So I'm going to sit and I'm going to go through the process so that I might come out of the process more and more like Jesus. And so now we see with this as the understanding, James now connects us to prayer. And the role of prayer in this process, specifically the role of prayer as it relates to our trials. Now look in verse 5, James continues. He says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Know this, that James is not criticizing us. James is actually calling on us to pray. He's not criticizing us. He's calling us to pray. So let's look at a few points about prayer. I want to look at three in particular, three points about prayer that will help us to be able to connect what God is teaching us here through James as it relates to our trials, it relates to prayer and getting help from God through prayer. The first point that we see real clearly here is we all need wisdom. I think everyone would agree with that. We all need wisdom, especially if we are asked by, uh, if our spouse needed wisdom, we'd probably say yes, yes. Uh, but they would answer the same way. Uh, we all need wisdom. James said, look at what he said in verse five. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, now, if any of you literally means, in, real, in the original language, he that, she that, or whoever that lacks wisdom. It reads he that, she that, or whoever that lacks wisdom. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, presupposes we all do. It presupposes we all do. D. Edmund Hybert, a biblical scholar, he said this about this passage, in particular about this this conditional statement. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he said this. "The The conditional statement, if any of you lacks wisdom, assumes the reality of the need and views it as a standing fact. James assumes the reality of the need that we all need wisdom. He needs it, we need it and views it as a standing fact that's not really up for debate. He knew his need for wisdom wasn't up for debate. We know our need for wisdom is not up for debate. I know my need for wisdom is not up for debate. It is a huge need, day by day, moment by moment, step by step. In my life, and I certainly believe the same for each of us. Understand here now, James is not talking about wisdom in general in this verse. Though... We certainly need wisdom in general to live our lives for the Lord, and we understand and realize that if we ask God for his wisdom in general, he will answer us. We understand that. We know we all need wisdom. We all need help, God's help to live God's way. James was specifically talking about in this passage, in verse 5, wisdom for our trials and tests of faith. He's specifically saying, now, if any of you lacks wisdom in the trial or test of faith that you are in the middle of, if any of you lacks wisdom in that time of testing, if any of you lacks wisdom in that time where God is is trying your faith, so we understand and realize he's talking about wisdom in our trials and tests of faith. Real quick clarity point, we know that knowledge... Knowledge is the accumulation of insight and truth from God. Knowledge is the accumulation of insight and truth from God. We get in God's Word and we learn from God's Word and we grow in our knowledge of God's Word. That's what God calls us to do, to grow in knowledge of His truth and His love and His grace and all that He has for us here in this world, in this Word. Knowledge is the accumulation of information and truth from God. Wisdom wisdom is the ability to put God's knowledge, insight and truth into action in our trials and tests of faith. Wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge we have from God in his word and to put it into practice. To put it into action in are trials and tests of faith that God is taking us through. Wisdom is the ability to put the knowledge of God that we have into action in our lives. If you look just to the right, in uh, in James uh, chapter three, verse 13, James chapter three, verse 13, James said this, who is wise in understanding among you? He should show his works. He should show, say that with me, he should show. His works by good contact with wisdom's gentleness. He should show his wisdom. And so what, what do we see? We see wisdom is active. Wisdom is active. Wisdom is meant to show through our lives. Wisdom is meant to be seen through our lives. Who is wise in understanding? Let him show that wisdom in the way in which they act, in the way in which they live. Wisdom. Understanding this truth, getting this knowledge, soaking this word in, learning more and more and more, accumulating more and more knowledge, but knowledge for knowledge's sake puffs up and leads to arrogance and pride, which we know what God has to say about that. The accumulation of knowledge is meant for a purpose, and that purpose is to put it into wisdom, which means put it into action in our lives. Don't just merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. The accumulation of knowledge then is transition into wisdom as we then put it into practice in our day-to-day lives the first step to receive wisdom is to understand we need wisdom the first step he's sharing with us real quick right here and if you likes wisdom the first step in order to receive wisdom is to understand we need wisdom which leads to the second point and that is we need to ask God for his wisdom it says now if any of you lacks wisdom he should ask God We need to ask God for the wisdom we need on a day-by-day basis. We should ask God. This word ask, this verb ask means to beg or to crave or desire. There's passion in this. There's urgency uh, in this verb ask. He should ask God. If we need wisdom, which we're all clear that that we do, then we need to move to the next point, and that is that we need to cry out to God in prayer. We need to pray. We need to ask God for wisdom. Scripture is clear with us on this point. We ask God for wisdom because God is the God of all wisdom. Solomon told us in Proverbs 2 and verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Our God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He is the source of all wisdom. So if we need wisdom and we've said and acknowledged we do, we need to ask God. Why? Because he's the God of all wisdom. He's the source of all wisdom. All wisdom comes from God. As we ask God for wisdom, we need to bow before God humbly. We need to humbly bow before God. Solomon told us in Proverbs 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So wisdom's first steps are found in an awe and reverence of God. We're talking about the person who's wise. We're talking about the person who displays wisdom. That begins with there in that person's life, an awe and a reverence for Almighty God. Understanding and realizing who He is and who we are and how desperately need, we need Him. And we need His wisdom, His knowledge, His understanding. And so as we ask God for wisdom, because he's the source of all wisdom, we humbly bow before God. And then as we ask God for his wisdom, we also patiently listen for God. We patiently listen for God. Solomon told us in Proverbs 1 and verse 5, a wise man will listen and increase his learning and a discerning man will obtain guidance. A wise man will listen and increase his learning. It's amazing what we can learn when we listen, amen? It's amazing how much we can learn. Well, just stop and listen. So here's how, this, here's how this works. The Holy Spirit of God in us shares God's wisdom with us as we spend time in his word, in prayer, and in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we ask God for his wisdom, because he's our almighty God. He's the source of all wisdom. We acknowledge that. So we ask God for his wisdom with a sense of awe and reverence that we even get a chance to ask God for his wisdom, that the creator of the universe desires and delights in our prayers for wisdom. So we're humbling ourselves before the Lord, even as Jesus taught us to pray humbly. And then as we ask God for his wisdom, to cry out for God for his wisdom in those trials, what should I do, God? How do I make this decision? What about this decision? What do you want me to do, God? We then listen patiently for God to give us his answers and to fill us with his strength to apply his wisdom, his answers in our day-to-day lives. And so we hear God speak to us by the truth of his word when we're spending time in his word. We hear God speak to us through prayer. And he, as, he pray, as we pray, God, by his Holy Spirit in us, impresses on us and gives us direction that he wants us to, to follow. We hear the Holy Spirit of God speak to us as we interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ and what God is doing in their lives and how God has taught them. And as they pour into us, we hear the Holy Spirit of God speaking through one another, which can provide us with the wisdom we need in the midst of our trial to continue living for the Lord. That's why it's so important for us to interact with one another. That's why it's so important for us to engage with one another. That's why it is so important for us to be humble before one another and to be transparent with one another and to help one another understand that we've got struggles and challenges. We're in these testing times. Hey, we all are in the testing times. We all go through trials. There's no reason to hide it because we know it's all, it's all because it's a similar thing that we all share in common. Scripture tells us that. So what we need is more and more of our brothers and sisters in Christ willing to say, hey, listen, this is what God taught me. This is how God brought me through this time. there, where you're at, God will bring you through because this is what He did for me, because the Holy Spirit of God will take his lessons that he has taught us in our trials, in our times of testing. And as he's taken us through those times, he does it for many purposes. It's for us personally, but as I say always, everything God does for us is for us and those around us. He then wants us to take that truth that we've learned so that when we come across our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in a similar trial, we can share with them the hope and the glory that God has placed in our lives as he's brought us through, and we can encourage them to stay faithful in their trials. And what God may say through us may be exactly what they need to hear. But we've got to be transparent. We've got to be open with one another. We've got to be engaged with one another in order for that to happen. That's why Scripture is always talking about this koinonia, this fellowship, this sharing of lives and, and doing life together and encouraging one another and holding one another accountable and pouring our lives out for one another because there's so many blessings that come from that. It's also one of the reasons why James said, if you remember back in James chapter 1, if you just kept reading in James chapter 1, you get towards the end of James, he said this, now be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. One of the reasons why he encouraged us later in chapter 1 to be quick to listen is because of how much we can learn from listening and how desperately we need to listen to God. As we ask God for his wisdom, we don't just turn around and run off and do our own thing and just check the box, well, at least I prayed and asked him. We listen. We listen. And the more we listen to the Lord, the more he speaks to us. Now, understand, quick reminder, as we seek and listen to wise counsel from our brothers and sisters in Christ, which is biblical, as we seek and listen to wise counsel from our brothers and sisters in Christ, we must always make sure that the counsel we receive from our brothers and sisters in Christ and the counsel we give to our brothers and sisters in Christ is consistent with the truth of God's word. What we don't need to give and receive are our own opinions. What we need to give and receive is the truth of God's word, consistent with what God's done in our lives, according to this word, what God's taught us, that can be of potential benefit to them. We need to make sure that that lines up with the Word of God, because Paul told Timothy, the word of God is, the word is what makes us wise for salvation by faith in Jesus, and the Word of God makes us wise for our spiritual maturity in Christ Jesus. And so we need to make sure that that counsel matches up with the word of God. We know as we cry out to God, as we ask him for his wisdom, God will speak to us by his Holy Spirit in us, and it'll be consistent with his word because God never contradicts his word. So we have this base, this beautiful word of God that is our base, our guide to always go by, to keep us in line and on course as it relates to our trials. A couple of ways in which we need to ask God, just real quick that we see in this passage. Number one, we need to ask God for his wisdom continually. Ask when he says now anyone who asks wisdom he should ask God. Ask is actually a present active imperative. It, it, it's, it's a command for us to obey every day, all through the day. Something that we need to, we need to do all the time. We need to ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. We need to ask and beg God for His wisdom uh, to stay faithful to Him in our trials day by day, all through the day. And then secondly, we also need to ask God for His wisdom not just continually but confidently. We need to ask God for his wisdom confidently. Look at what James said after verse 5. Let's pick up in verse 6. James is saying, Now, if any of you likes wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all, uh, generously and without criticizing, it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For the doubter is like a sur- like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. What James is saying is it makes no sense for us to ask the God of wisdom for his wisdom for our trials and tests of faith. And then when God gives us his wisdom, because we know he will, to then in turn doubt what God's given us, the wisdom that he has imparted to us. It makes no sense to doubt wisdom from the source of all wisdom when God shares his wisdom with us. Those who doubt God's wisdom from God's word, James says, are uh, indecisive. They are double-minded. That means they are people who are pulled apart in different directions in their minds. They are unstable. They're like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. James is telling us here, when we ask God for his wisdom, we ask continually, we ask confidently with the faith of knowing God will give us his answer. God will answer us. God will answer our prayer. We ask confidently for God's wisdom, knowing in faith that God will give us his answers and his answers will be best for us. His answers will always be best for us. And so we pray confidently with that expectation, with that faith, that excitement Uh, That anticipation of God answering our prayers with the faith of knowing whatever it is that God says, we know it's right because he is the God of all wisdom. And so we ask continually and confidently, knowing when he shares his wisdom, it's best, and we then need to follow his wisdom. And then the third point is obvious. It's right there in verse 5. James tells us that God will give us his wisdom. He says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously, and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. So if we need wisdom, we need to ask for that wisdom, and God will give us his wisdom. Every time we ask God for his wisdom, he'll give us his wisdom as we are walking in and through our trials of faith and times of testing. Now, this this second half of verse five is is a beautiful picture of this wisdom of God that he will dispense to us. It says, now, if any of you likes wisdom, he should ask God, who gives? Gives is in the present tense. That means this. As we keep on asking God for his wisdom, he'll keep on giving us his wisdom. If we ask him for his wisdom day after day after day, he'll give us his wisdom day after day after day. He will continue to give to us. He says, who gives to all. All means all. It means every follower of Jesus who asks for God's wisdom will receive God's wisdom. There's no hierarchy. There's no ranking. The top 100 best Christ followers who get answers to prayer in the zero to five minute range and then the 200 best Christ followers, they're going to bump it down to an hour. There's none of that. Every follower of Jesus who asks God for wisdom receives wisdom who gives to all generously. Generously means liberally, simply, easily. It means God's not going to make us jump through a bunch of hoops. He's not going to make us cut through a bunch of red tape in order to get to him and to pray to him and to cry out to him and to receive from him the wisdom that we so desperately need. God is a generous God who loves us and he loves blessing us. He loves giving us the wisdom we need. He's the one who's got us in that trial and that test of faith in the first place. He's the one who is working in us and on us. Why wouldn't he then give us the wisdom we need to stay right where we are, right in his will, so that he can continue and finish his work in us? He's gonna give us his wisdom. He's gonna give it to us. He's gonna give it to us generously. And in those times where you may be thinking to yourself, I am asking, and he's not answering, then you continue to do exactly what this word says. You keep walking by faith. You stay in this word. You continue to pray. You continue to seek him. And you continue to do exactly what his word says day by day. And he'll speak. He'll make himself clear. He'll give you the wisdom you need when you need it. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. And he says, he'll give it to us generously and without criticizing. This is so beautiful. Without criticizing, it means this. God will not get upset with us for not asking him for his wisdom sooner. He'll not get upset with us for not knowing the answer anyways. He'll never say, you know what? I've told you that answer 50 times. When are you gonna get it? I'm done. I'm not giving you any more wisdom. He'll never say that. God will not criticize us, insult us, or shame us for crying out to him for the wisdom we so desperately need from him. And then James said, and it will be given to him. God promises to give us his wisdom in our times of trial and testing. He promises. And we know a promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise and there is no one better at making and keeping promises in our almighty God. Amen? God promises. To you and to me this morning, this moment, he will give us his wisdom so that we can continue to walk in victory through our faith and trust in Christ Jesus in and through the trials and tests of faith that we are in. So let's Stop right here, right now, and let's start to ask God for his wisdom, for us. And then let's also go before the Lord and ask him to give wisdom to our brothers and sisters in Christ, who we know may be going through one of those times of testing and trial, even this morning. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. The worship team is going to come and lead us in this time of invitation.